On episode 226 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to handle the pressure by changing your perspective with Vesa Ponka. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, welcome to the show. And today I'm excited to present my interview with Vesa Ponka to you today. And Vesa is the president of the Junior Tennis Champion Center, home to Francis Tiafo, Dennis Kudla, and numerous other elite players. JTCC is located in College Park, Maryland, and I've played there a bunch. And as you all probably know, Maryland is my home state, so I really enjoyed speaking to a local here. And as JTCC's president, Vesa directs long-term strategic planning, project implementation, and identification of new partners for JTCC. He also manages and mentors staff members and ensures the quality of JTCC programming, which is top-notch. Vesa was selected as the 2011 USOC National Developmental Coach of the Year and has trained top junior players in the U.S. and Europe for national NCAA, ITF, and professional competition. And his students have predictably won numerous professional and national titles and achieved uh, number one rankings and so forth. And Vesa is certified by the USPTA, PTR, and USTA High Performance. So on the show today, we talk about the holistic pathway of development, the importance of having a healthy perspective, positive versus negative pressure, and which types of pressures you can actually deal with, as well as some really cool insights on Francis Tiafo and Dennis Kudla and their time training at JTCC. I remember actually being able to interview both of them at the same time at the City Open after one of their doubles matches, which was definitely a highlight for me. And it was cool to talk about them again. And uh, really cool to talk with Vesa, as I've mentioned a couple times on the show, that he really pushed me very hard when I took a lesson with him one time as a junior. I'll never forget that one. So I knew that right away at that time that he was a very high-level coach for sure. So, uh, And he's proven it throughout the years. So. With that, I am going to push us to the interview with Vesa, which I'm sure you're all uh, waiting to listen to. So with that, here's my interview with Coach Vesa Ponka. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Tennis Falls Podcast. And it's really an honor and a pleasure to have on Vesa Ponka on the podcast. Uh, he's a fantastic coach and he is, uh, you know, top notch teaching a lot of the greatest players, um, you know, in the country at the Junior Tennis Champion Center uh, in College Park, Maryland, which is a great facility that I've played at many, many times. And uh, Vesa, it's really great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you very much. And, uh, I believe this is my second time, and the first time was great. So I'm looking forward to this uh, this time. 
Thank you so much, Bess. I really appreciate that. So um, my first question for you is uh, just really curious about your your history and getting into JTCC itself. So at, at what point in your career did you uh, end up at JTCC and then how did that uh, come about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great story. Um, you know, um, I did the normal thing. I, you know, I grew up in Finland, you know, I did all the sports, but I, I just uh, absolutely love tennis and, you know, you know, I had a good junior career in Finland, then tried to play pro, never made a big money. So, you know, when I was 22, 23 years old, I decided that, hey, I have to get an education, went to the University of Tennessee at Martin, got my uh, undergraduate and MBA from there and, and, and played uh, college tennis. And then after that, uh, moved to Washington, D.C. And, 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 and kind of created a student athlete actually one of the first ones in late 80s and early 90s that uh, you know student athlete scholarship service for european athletes so we were responsible for about 750 european student athletes coming to the scholarships here to usa in all sports and uh, and i was doing a lot of coaching on the side and uh, and that started to take more and more of my time and i started to notice that i'm actually pretty decent doing it and and so did a lot of junior coaching and and uh, had some uh, some success there and here and then uh, mr prody who is a founder of jtcc just uh, called me out of the blue and 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 um, told him about his uh, plans for jtcc that was 1999 22 years ago and um, such was his strong personality and that uh, I was totally sold after three minutes of his presentation and I left a great job at Congressional Country Club. And uh, the funny thing is that, um, like I said, this was the first time of me meeting Mr. Prodi and, and, and uh, there was nothing other than the plans. There was nothing more than that. And my wife was uh, nine months pregnant with, uh, with my second daughter. My first, uh, you know, newborn was uh, four years old. So I left a great job for this uh, plan up in the air and, and took a nice pay cut. And, 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 you know, he just had a great vision and then I bought into it. And, and, you know, the last 22 years have been great. And that was one of the best decisions that I have ever done. But I still do remember driving home from that meeting and, sweating and thinking what i'm going to tell my wife that i just promised to go with a guy that i don't know anything about it there's no tennis and there's nothing else and other plans and like i said she was nine months pregnant so but it turned out to be the best decision that i have ever done and you know we have had a great 22 years so far yeah, that, that's amazing, Vess. Uh, it's really cool to to hear you go with your gut, and then obviously being very right, and uh, you know, helping uh, forge one of the best uh, training facilities in the country, uh, if not the world. So, I have a couple follow ups. You know, I guess the first one might help um, players like make decisions, especially those who are you know playing futures and so forth. I was wondering, you know, what your thought process was. I knew you mentioned a little bit about you know the financial aspect of um, when you were on the pro tour, um, and I believe you got to like the 600s or 700s which is still great um but you've made the decision that you know i'm i'm just gonna go and coach like what what advice do you have for other people who are in this similar type of predicament like what thought process um to go through to decide whether to keep going for you know a long time and having uh the the, the toil or just uh just stopping and, and trying something else 
that's that's a really good question and and thousands of young players go through it on daily basis and so i have been through it and my first advice is that you go after your dreams you try your best and you go after it uh you know no regrets you just do whatever it takes to make it happen but then you know it's such a funny thing you know the marketplace will give you an answer sooner or later and and uh, you have to respect that one and and so that's uh, you know um, we all know how expensive it is to play this sport i i played bundesliga in germany and that helped me a lot financially but still it's super expensive and if you are not breaking to the to the higher level it's it's um it's just economically it's it's not possible to go on forever uh my family was great but unfortunately they could never really support my tennis uh, financially so i i relied on federation and then uh, federation helped me out for a while but it doesn't last forever and and then uh, like i said my family couldn't really support me so my point is that you know you have to listen to the marketplace uh, you know it's very rarely wrong and you know after three four years if you are not good enough then simply you are not good enough and and you have to then, uh, you know, adjust your plans. And, and I was always interested in coaching. I, I, I always thought that the tennis, playing tennis is the best thing in the world. But now I actually, I'm reversing my thinking. I think that the coaching and teaching is the best thing in the world to do. And then, uh, you know, playing is, of course, great too. But uh, I always knew that, um, that uh, you know, I want to get into teaching and coaching anyway. So uh, it was a fairly easy trans transition for me personally. Gotcha, Vesa. Thanks for that advice. And I was also curious as another follow-up um, for what convinced you to to go uh, to JTCC? Because um, obviously, clearly a lot of powerful messages that were uh, being given to you uh, to convince you to go, you know, especially to leave for a pay cut. I mean, that, that's tough. Um, so any, any insight on, you know, what was said there? <laughs> um, I mean, look, I have always been a kind of a risk taker. You know, I left Finland when I was 18, moved to Germany and, and you know, tried to make it there, you know, playing professional tennis. And then, uh, then you know, came to this country with the two tennis bags, uh, you know, uh, to start college, uh, you know. And, and so I have never been afraid of um, kind of taking chances. And, and I have to thank my family to, you know, bringing me up that way and and uh, just when Mr. Brody approached me it was just something that my gut was telling me that this is something really unique uh, and uh, honestly I wasn't enjoying so much the country club setting uh, you know my mind, mind was always in the competitive part of the game and and I just uh, followed my gut in a sense and 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 um, I encourage um, everybody to you know, take some chances. Uh, nothing bad will happen. You know, just uh, take some chances. Yeah, for sure. There's always ways to recover if, you know, worst case scenario happens. So I'm familiar with a lot of uh, different players from JTCC. You know, I played like uh, same tournaments as like Philip Simmons and Tred Huey and Billy Mertz and all those players. Um, but I was curious, like, who were some of the first um, really high level players that, uh, that you worked with when you uh, began at JTCC or a little bit afterwards? No, I mean, those names you just mentioned, those were our first generation players, you know, Philip Simmons and Tret Huey. And, 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 you know, we, we yeah. also had a Vera Svoroneva here, 
you know, uh, you know, like our first uh, foreign player, and Vera was very successful junior, and and then in a pros, and and it kind of just you know, then the next generation came out. You know, there are some great players. You know, uh, Dennis Goodland and and Francis and and Eleanor Peters and and Pinsky brothers, and you know, there just have been a lot of yeah. good players, and then uh, then uh, you know, Mitchell Frank. You know, with uh, grew up with uh, Dennis and Junior Orr and Tracy Capra, so we have been really lucky to have a good, driven young people here to work with, and hopefully we have been able to help them out. And uh, yeah, I'm, no, 100%. Uh, I'm I'm old enough that um, I actually I'm old enough and I'm lucky enough that I have seen actually four, or five different player generation to go through, which is really exciting and great you know i consider one player generation to be about five six years and um, it's great to see how uh, you know they grow up and they are you know developing not only as a tennis players but as a human beings and that's actually when i'm getting a little bit older and getting a little bit more mature i'm actually putting much more value on that one than just winning kalamazoo's and orange balls yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, Vesa. Um, y'all doing a great job there. So, uh, I'm curious, you know, with each successive generation, are there any particular approaches that maybe you either refined or changed over time because you figured out, like, oh, maybe this isn't working as well, or we could change it to do, you know, to this type of approach? Uh, anything like that? Yes, actually, that's a huge part of coaching anyway and teaching. You know, you need to be able to read the situations. And we always have to remember everybody is an in individual. And and you have to find the ways to best, you know, the right patterns and, and, and find the way not only to teach and coach, but to motivate and then hopefully in the end to inspire. And um, over the last 22 years at JTCC, I mean, that, we have, I have personally done every mistake under the sky. I mean, that there's no question about it, but uh, I like to think that I have been smart enough to learn from it. So I don't make those mistakes too often anymore. But um, the biggest thing is that, you know, early days we were thinking that we create a system or model, but actually I have really learned that, you know, you have to respect the individual player and their needs, and, and, and you have to have a solid, fundamentals how you coach but then after that when you got to just uh, learn to look at them as an as an individual so that is the balancing act that is is difficult and so many times we fall in love with our own systems and models but uh, but you know you have to look at the players as an individual they have their own needs as long as the fundamentals are taught uh, well you know the good things will happen yeah, hundred percent, Vesa. Uh, you know, I've heard that that approach is so integral to success for each student, and everyone's different. But how do you actually do that? Because I mean, you have you know hundreds or thousands or whatever amount of students that uh, that you have to cater to. So, like, what's the secret to being able to you know individually cater to each player's needs? Um, two things. Um, when we started it, one of our first decisions, and maybe the most important decision that we got it right was that we figured it out 22 years ago that every successful player they have a driving force behind them and we tried to create that kind of system so our we started from day one we started our mentoring and and over years we have really you know adjusted it but the mentoring is extremely important so 
how we do it is that the coaches have, you know, depending on the experience level, but you know, they have somewhere between two to eight to nine to ten players that they are mentoring. What that really means is that that coach is responsible that all the technical, tactical, physical, mental, emotional planning work gets done. It doesn't mean that that coach does it all by himself or herself. It means that that mentor is responsible that the get those things gets done. That coach and mentor is responsible that the, the player is learning and improving. And but also that coach is, in, is responsible that um, that the team will be there supporting and and all coaches work as a team. So it it is a balancing act. And uh, when they are younger, then you know we do a little bit more group mentoring. But we try to be clear with the messaging and, and, and making sure that um, the kids need to improve and they need to get better. And coaches have to feel the pressure to teach and they have to understand that the players have to improve. I mean, that all the time and money that has been invested, we all know how extremely expensive this sport is here in USA. Look, the fact is the players have to improve. They have to learn. And that is a responsibility of the teacher, coach, or the mentor. Um, like you said, it cannot be done by one person. So that's why the teamwork is really important. That in our culture here, that the coaches are using our coaching team to address the needs of those individual players. And 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 it's not easy. It will take a long time to learn to do it. And and uh, but that's how we try to approach it. But getting to the point that players feel like there is a driving force and hopefully extremely positive one that they can rely on when it comes to their on-court and off-the-court uh, uh, development. Thanks, Vesa. And, and what are some of these or some examples of these driving forces that your players tend to have? I'm curious if maybe, you know, some of our audience can, you know, kind of realize some of these, one of these or more that they might have and then that will help them, you know, play better. No, when I say the driving force, I meant kind of the support and the people around them. Oh, I and see. Of, you know, that's what I meant that, uh, you know, that uh, everybody needs help. And uh, of course, gotcha. you know, the parents are the number one source of that one, but then the great teachers and the coaches can really be in a position to have a huge influence on the kids. So that's when I talked, when I talked about the driving force behind the player or behind an athlete. Gotcha, Vess. I appreciate that. And then, you know, with the with your top players, I'm curious, you know, what a typical day like uh, of training. So, you know, uh, Tread or 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 Dennis or um, uh, Francis, you know, what 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 are they usually? What what does a typical day of training look like? You know, from the tennis court to the gym to you know uh, mental game exercises. Uh, what does that look like usually? Again, it depends, but uh, basically, it's a lot of work. So let's take an example, somebody like Dennis, who was very driven, was very willing to do all the work that was asked. So, you know, he was very independent. So let's say that he started with us uh, when he was 12 years old as a full-time student, meaning that he practiced twice a day. Uh, he came here when he was eight years old and then he practiced once a day. But I give you an example of the full, full day load for him. You know, he, he took a metro, from home, from Virginia to here. Uh, his parents wanted him to be independent, so they didn't drive him here. So he, he took a metro when he was uh, 12 years old. He 
fixed his own lunch. So he got here to our school about 7.45, did school for two hours. Um, then we have our first training session at 10 o'clock, go about 90 minutes or two hours. Then again, back to the school for another two hours, have a lunch there. And then uh, back on the court again around two o'clock, uh, hopefully play points and matches and a couple of hours match play and then uh, do the fitness. So his day was over around five o'clock. Then he jumped back on the metro and got home. So it is extremely demanding schedule. It's, it's really long day. And then he gets home and then he has to still do the homework and everything. So it takes a lot of dedication. And, uh, you know, you have to be extremely driven to go through the schedule. And then weekends, a uh, lot of tournaments. So, um, you know, the commitment level is, is, is uh, you know, it's needed to be really high. And, you know, that's how the rest of the world is working. I mean, we have to understand that uh, the rest of the world is working super hard. And, and we all know that this is a game of repetitions. Uh, you have to see the ball a lot, so you have to spend a lot of time on the tennis court and hopefully you are working hard, but more importantly, you are working the very smart way. But um, it, is, uh, it is a huge commitment to try to be a professional tennis player and or even to become a great uh, college player, so um, a lot of hard work. I want to make a point that this absolutely can also be done you know, in the early years by going to the normal school. There's no question about it. I, 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 we have had plenty of great players that finished their high school, uh, you know, normal school and still did extremely well. So, um, so it can be done both ways. But even after school, you have to be prepared to train three to four hours because that's what your competition is doing in, in Europe and South America. So, um, you know, those are the the loads that you have to be able to put in when, 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 when you are, when you are junior. Mm, thanks for that insight, Vesa. And yeah, you reminded me, uh, you know, of Dennis, uh, cause I, I interviewed him on the podcast at episode hundred something. And, uh, yeah, I just was really blown away by his level of commitment, uh, and the Metro rides in particular. Um, yeah. so, and again, you know, I have a sense of what this answer might be, but I'm curious, you know, on, on average, you know, how much time do you spend on the mental game, with your players, uh, comparing that to, you know, the physical and, and the on-court and, and all that stuff, uh, uh, if there's any sort of, you know, average number, or does that just, like, vary depending on the player? Of course, you know, the easy answer is that it depends, but uh, let me try to be a little <laughs> bit more specific. Uh, I feel, and our team feels strongly that, uh, you know, this all this parts of training that hopefully will create this comprehensive training training uh, regime is that they are interacting well together so i'm not a big fan of well, let's say that you you know you go to the dark room and you are listening to the whale music and oh you know i'm going to be good no i, I don't believe in that one i believe that this mental work is done on the court a lot and, 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 you know, it's, it's basically we are talking about mental discipline and, and focusing skills that needs to be learned and concentration skills. So we try to do as much as we can on the court, creating situations that will uh, stimulate players to be in the tough positions. We believe that we try to take the kids out of their comfort zone and then help them way back into it. 
Uh, and of course, there has to be an individual approach. And that's when the mental coaching and the mental expert will jump in and they can spend some one-on-one -on -one time. And, and, you know, when there are some deeper issues, which we all have. So to answer your question is, it's, it's, uh, it should be everyday topic that is discussed and it's an everyday process that you have to pay attention to it. Not that you have a mental class, you know, from three to four once a week or whatever. That's one way to do it. But I believe that you get the best results when it's, it's a part of daily workload and, 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 and you, you know, it's a part of the process. Yeah, thanks for that, Vesa. And um, yeah, I guess that kind of leads into what we talked about a little bit, you know, on our pre-call before we, uh, you know, started chatting on this uh, podcast. Uh, well, you mentioned the holistic pathway of development. So I wonder if you could talk more about that and why that's uh, so important for the success of uh, of your players. No, that's my favorite topic at the moment. I know that holistic approach is kind of the in word at the moment, but I I would like to give a little bit background when we started it and, and you know I mean we were all about high performance we were all about winning and, and we did a lot of winning and we did well but uh, as a player you know you win a big tournament and we all know how it feels the next day it's kind of it's behind you it feels good but there has to be something more than that and and um, I'm glad to say that you know I'm 57 years old now and I'm, I'm starting to mature a little bit so i'm starting to see the big picture that actually we are really lucky because i fully believe that tennis is the best sport in the world to teach really important life lessons and i'm not saying it only because i'm a tennis player and it's my sport i really think that the characteristics of this sport are absolutely fantastic to teach the life lessons to the kids and and uh, that's what we try to do in a sense that we are we are focusing on the whole kid, the whole player, not only as a tennis player, but as a human being. Because again, you know, the younger players, younger kids, they all, everybody has their own timetable. You know, you don't try to everybody to get to the next level at the same time. You know, they have their own timetable and you have to respect that one. So, uh, you know, it's really important that we look at it, that what is the best for the kid as a person and not only as a tennis player. And I, I'm totally convinced and, and I'm lucky because I have data from the last 22 years here at JTCC that when we can achieve to get a player a really healthy perspective, not only about the sports, but about life, I'm convinced that those players actually handle the pressure much better. And, and as a result, they will be do more winning. Their pressure tolerance is much better. Their pressure management skills are much better when they have a healthy perspective about the life. And, 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 and they, you know, it, you know the, hitting the tennis ball is not the only thing they do. They are normally very good academically. You know, they, you know it goes hand in hand. So I, I, I feel that the more time we spend making them really well around it, young, student athletes is actually going to improve their tennis skills and more importantly that pressure tolerance will go through the roof and as a result they will win a lot and and it's it's a nice positive cycle that just uh, just keeps on going on so uh, you know 
that's kind of what we are trying to do it's 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 a lot of work it's it's um but it's it's fun because uh, you know you 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 know that you are doing something really important other than just making them to hit some great forehands or backhands so there's an old cliche you know when people ask coaches you know how the kids are doing and and you answer that hey ask me in 20 years but it is really it's really true and and i am really big on so called teachers mentality with our coaches um i do not want to hire anybody who doesn't have a teacher's mentality that means that uh, you know you think like a teacher and and you teach like a teacher and 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 you know it's it's a very unique mentality and mindset which is you know difficult to 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 live with uh, on daily basis but that is really important to us uh, brilliant stuff uh vesa so yeah a couple follow ups on that first off i'm curious how or, or what signs are there for you to um, determine whether like a prospective coach actually has the, um, you know, the skills that you're looking for um, to be able to t- teach the students uh, how, how you would like? That's, that's a really great question. And I, and I hope that I'm getting better with that one. I, I think that we will never master it. But it's interesting, you know, you can look at it in a way that... Um, when uh, when we when we are players uh, you know we are taught to be se- you know selfish but as a teacher you have to be unselfish when you are a player you are taught to be kind of arrogant when you are a teacher you have to be humble when you are an athlete or a player you are you know you are taught to be a uh, coach to be you know kind of you are a taker and when you are a teacher you have to be a giver and when you really start to think about that one, that is a 180 degree mental shift that has to happen. And that's why it's, it's sometimes very difficult for great players to become really good teachers because that shift is very difficult to do. That, uh, that uh, you know, talking about, you know, making it from, uh, from uh, being a taker and then suddenly you have to be a giver. And, and it sounds simple, but it's difficult. So. I always look at that if a coach has a potential to to give back and if they have a give back mentality and are they thinking what is the best for the the kid and instead of best for the ego or for themselves or anything like that so I don't have a you know scientific model I I trust my gut feeling a lot I I try to talk to the coach and 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 the teacher a lot and just get a feeling that if they have a ability to 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 give back and and it's a process it doesn't happen overnight but i believe that ability to learn to give back and see the value on it that's a must if and when you want to be a great teacher yeah very invaluable there thanks thanks fessa and then about the healthy perspectives i'm wondering if you could give us insight as well on you know how you go about uh you know teaching this to your students or maybe like what are the the most important elements of 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 having a healthy perspective no that's uh you know we have done a lot of work on that one and and um and we do certain things and i like to think that they are working great and i i it's my recommendation and a lot of coaches and tennis centers would, uh, would uh, co- at least consider it. My point is that uh, it's important for young tennis players to see different kind of tennis players. 
different kind of situations that players are facing. I give an example. We do a lot of work with a special Olympic athletes. Uh, we do a lot of work with uh, Paralympic athletes, uh, wheelchair athletes, uh, veterans, and and the purpose of that one is that uh, that you know young tennis players learn to see that hey there are all kind of tennis players around. We all have different challenges, and when it's hopefully daily and weekly happening, that you can you know it changes your perspective, it changes your way of thinking. And it hopefully becomes part of you. And that has been a really big part of what we have done in us. And I, I believe that, uh, you know, you create that give back mentality, but more importantly, you, you start to understand that, hey, you know, there are all kinds of players around, all kinds of situations, and, 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 and you really start to, you know, to understand that, uh, you know, it's not the most important thing to smack the forehand as hard as you can. You know, you need to learn how to, behave and you need to learn how to show respect not only to the game but your opponent and it has so many positives you know involved when you get that perspective moving to the right direction so just a practical in practical terms you know we we try to make sure that our players are spending a lot of time with the, all kind of different tennis players and i i think that over the time it's it's really it's really going to show that uh, you know, we can actually have an impact on, on the perspective of the young student athletes. Yeah, that's really brilliant, Vesa, because, um, you know, there's some times where um, maybe I'm having a tough day on the court and then I remind myself to be grateful that I'm even able to play, you know, where a lot of people are not able to play, like a lot of countries, you know, there's no courts and things like that. Um, so it seems like when your players are exposed to, you know, Special Olympics players and Paralympics players and so forth, they you know, they have that gratitude um, that, you know, they're maybe more capable of doing, you know, certain things or at least, you know, um, athletically. So I think that's really a brilliant thing. And, and so then how does that um, contribute to the type of, uh, as we talked about again before this uh, podcast, like positive versus negative pressure? How does that all uh, pan out there? No, that's, 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 uh, that's a great question. So, you know, I'm, I'm a simple guy and I look at things things in a simple way. I feel there's internal pressure and there's external pressure. Unfortunately, we cannot do too much about external pressure, but we can do something, a lot of things about internal pressure. And that's when you learn to see that, uh, that you know, there are different situations and that's when your perspective gets broader and better and, and you start to understand life and different situations better. I strongly believe that this internal pressure decreases or it becomes kind of a positive it becomes that that driving force or motivational pressure which is always helpful and um, you know unfortunately if that perspective is not right then you know our players are dealing with uh, really negative internal pressure and they are dealing with then additional negative external pressure and that's uh, you know it's very difficult to to be successful in that kind of uh, cycle. And unfortunately, it's happening all the time. So if we can lessen the internal pressure and, and, and turn it into something positive, I strongly believe that the stress management skills and the pressure tolerance skills will just skyrocket. And you know, not only results on the tennis courts will get better, but it's that life lessons that you can handle 
you know almost everything and and, and so so how that's how i look at it that uh, there are things that you can control and then things that you cannot and external pressure is tough it's always going to be there and and but you have to have a strong perspective to be able to handle it and that means that your internal pressure hopefully turns to be something positive your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gotcha, Vesa. And can you just give us an example just for clarity's sake of like um, a positive internal pressure versus a negative internal pressure? Sure. It's just like you actually mentioned it. It's, it's an old cliche, but... Uh... We always think as an athlete that, you know, oh, you know, we have the hardest and we are unlucky and, and, and you know, this is not fair. And, and it's just, that's very normal. And, and um, but, you know, if you have lived through the experiences and seen other people to struggle with different kind of challenges and overcoming it, it gives you that confidence and knowledge. You know what? My situation is fine. And, 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 and it's not as bad as I think. And, you know, that gives you energy and, and confidence to move forward and tackle these external pressures. So that's what I mean that, uh, you know, there are always, as we all know, there's always better players than we are somewhere, but there's also always people who have it much harder than we do. And, and that can hopefully put uh, things into the perspective. Yeah, for sure, Vesa. And in addition to um, having your players, um, you know, congregate with with, with um, you know Special Olympics and Paralympics and so forth, uh, players, are there any other techniques or things that you do to further, um, you know, alleviate uh, the internal pressures? You know, and you know, you mentioned those um, groups, but we also, you know, just the normal, uh, you know, we do a lot of outreach, uh, community outreach. You know, our players, mm. you cannot train here if you don't give back. So you have to go out to the community and you have to give back. And so we, we are kind of systematically working on that one. And, uh, and you know, so all these things combined, I, I, I feel like they can have an, uh, you know, positive impact on, you know, the amount of internal pressure and then how you deal with that one. So, uh, you know, we all know that this game is, it's, it's, it's really rough. It's, it's really tough mentality wise because, you know, there's so much losing happening. There are so many disappointments that happens in every match. And, and you just have to hopefully have a perspective to deal with that stuff and, and keep on going forward. Definitely, Vesa. And is there a, a case study you can mention for us, you know, a particular player that, um, you know, maybe had a lot more um, negative internal pressure that um, you all worked on and then, you know, it helped their game a lot more as a result of that? 
yeah, I mean that uh, in 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 different degrees, it's it's um, it's funny thing. It almost it's with every player. It's with every player. But uh, the funny thing is that if we just wanna use the the names that we kind of all the people know, you know, Francis's and and Dennis's and Robins, you know, they all have learned to see through the life experiences that hey, it's a privilege to play this game and. Uh, by accident or by hopefully systematic efforts, you know, they learn to put uh, things into the perspective. Uh, we all see how Francis is, you know, on the court, you know, he, he simply loves the game. And, and he knows that it's a privilege to play the game. And, and, and I'm so happy for him now that it's really starting to show and, and he's now connecting with the crowds and everything. But he has always been the kid who just simply loved the game and, and, and that put things into the perspective. Other one is that, again, you know, is, is, is you know, we have a couple of guys like Mitchell Frank and Dennis Kudla. Uh, one went to the pro route and one went to the college route. They both became extremely successful. And, you know, when they were teenagers, you know, they help each other in a sense to understand the perspective and, and, and understand that, uh, that, uh, the, what you do on the court is important, but it is not the most important thing in the world. And I'm, I'm so proud of these guys because they are fantastic human beings at the moment. And I like to think that the tennis has a lot to do with that one. It really teaches you to be humble and, and, and understand that there's a much bigger picture out there. Then somebody like Robin Montgomery uh, is a great example. You know, she actually started with our outreach program when she was five, six years old. And then uh, from there, you know, she was identified to come and, and, and train. And I'm, I'm so proud of her in a sense that when she was 11 and 12, she's, she was systematically giving back. She was on those sites mm -hmm. back and, and teaching some other underprivileged kids and, and, and teaching and, and, and motivating. And, and she keeps on doing that one. So there's an other example of somebody who just has a healthy perspective nowadays how to compete and and knows that uh, you know there are bigger pictures than just hitting the tennis ball and and like i said these are just examples of names that everybody knows i'm really proud of the fact that that you know there are tons of players who are playing college now but they have these skills now and I know for the fact that they are going to be successful whatever they do in their lives. So I just highlighted those few because it just, you know, you can see it on every day or every week on, on tennis channel. And, and, but I, I can tell that, uh, you know, these, these uh, players, you know, one of the reasons they are successful is because, you know, they really have a perspective what they are doing and how they are doing things. And, and, and it's really paying off at the moment. Love that. Love hearing that. And, you know, big respect to, uh, to your programs and, you know, requiring, uh, you know, community outreach. I think that's, uh, it's amazing. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people love to hear about the, the top players. So I, I am curious about, uh, Francis, uh, of course, um, during his time at JTCC and it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, actually my, my former teammate, uh, you know, had coached him for a while there. Um, but, uh, but, what were some of the biggest things that that you all worked on um, with with Francis, like that re you think really made a huge impact um, on his uh, on his game moving forward? 
I would love us to take all the credit in the world that we created <laughs> Francis, this and that, but unfortunately, I cannot do that. It's uh, one thing that we did do is we created an environment that uh, that he could really, you know, uh, develop and, and 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 create this love of the game. I think that is that is one of the biggest things that, you know, Francis is one of the players who loves the game more than anybody else. You know, the tennis was his best friend, and 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 he took a great care of his best friend. He he spent so much time against the hitting the ball, and 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 we try to encourage that one. It's not only I I always remember, and I have talked to you know one coach who was really helping him a lot was uh, Frank Salazar in a, in a later part of Francis's junior career. And we always remember when Frank was working with Dennis and Mitchell. And, you know, when they, those guys were like 14 years old, Francis was like nine years old and he was just sitting on the tennis court, you know, his, you know, his feet didn't even touch the ground, you know, and he was just <laughs> observing and learning and, and just, you know, paying so much attention. And then after that, he would go and hit against the wall. And, and you know, and, and so that is kind of the environment that, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to take a credit that we designed it that way. It ha happened to happen that way, and we kind of acknowledge that one. So now we try to create the environment that kids have a chance to to learn from other good players, and they get that self belief belief that it can be done. And then we encourage them to go and 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 practice and train and hit against the wall and learn to make mistakes and 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 learn from those mistakes. So kind of that freedom of making mistakes. And and that was Francis, you know, he's a great big moment player at the moment, a big point player. When he was a junior, he was absolutely one of the best in the world to play the big points because first he had a good perspective, but again, you know, he, he just loved the game more than just winning or losing. And, and that kind of um, has helped him a lot. Thanks for that, Vesa. And, and, you know, speaking of big points, I mean, you know, that's obviously like a huge question. A lot of uh, players are asking, you know, how can I play clutch in the biggest uh, moments and things like that? I mean, do you have any advice in, in that regard for, uh, for a mostly uh, amateur audience here? You know, um, you know, the first superstar in tennis was Bill Tilden in 20s. <laughs> and he wrote a book, 1926, called uh, Matt's Play and the Spin of the Ball. And it's an absolute classic. And in that book, Bill Tilden wrote a one paragraph and it says that the purpose of this game is to use your strength against your opponent's weaknesses under the pressure when the points are big. And that was a hundred years ago and it is totally 100% true still to this day. So, uh, you know, you have to understand that, you know, what are your weaknesses and what are your strengths and, and, and then, you know, use it against the opponent, you know, they are, I, we used to tell or we tell our players that in the middle of the first set, when you already have hopefully played four to, four to you know, two to four games, you have to be able to answer six questions. And those questions are, number one, how you are winning the points, number two, how you are losing the points, how your opponent is winning the points, how your opponent is losing the points, and then what your opponent likes to do and what your opponent doesn't like to do. Those are the three questions. They sound simple, but it, it's not. And you have to have an answer to those ones 
because when the points start to get bigger, you wanna use your strength against your opponent's weakness, and you wanna make your opponent, uh, you know, you know, to deal with the pressure with uh, with something that they might not have a lot of confidence. So, you know, simple terms: find out what is the weaker side, put pressure on that weaker side. If you can do it with your strength, that will be even better. Got it. Thanks, Vesa. So besides watching, um, you know, match uh, footage of your opponent, uh, how do you instruct your players to to be perceptive about your uh, opponents, their opponents' uh, weaknesses? What What are some methods that you like to use? Uh, like I said, you know, if the if the player has been coached and taught well, and you know, and and they are problem solvers, you know what they you know, they can pick up these things order in the warm-ups. And in, like I said, in early couple of games, you will find out, you know, what the opponent likes or don't like to do. I mean, the oldest trick in the book, if you don't know anything about your opponent, and, and this is the first time you are playing, you know, in the warm-ups, you know, drive the ball hard to the middle and your opponent will always turn to the side that they like the most. Mm. So, you know, if they turn to their backhand side, you know, that gives you an early indication that, hey, backhand might be their favorite shot. So just, you know, paying attention and, and, and then especially in the bigger points early in the match, you know, um, you know, check it out, you know, what they like to do and what they don't like to do. Got it. Thanks for that uh, additional insight, Vesa. So, um, you know, when I go into JTCC and I play my USA League matches, I always see the, you know, the banner that says, trust your training. Uh, I'm sure you've explained this before, but um, uh, what what does that what does that actually mean um, to to your, you and your players? Wow! Now you ask the question that is so loaded, and and it's it's you know <laughs> it will take about three weeks for me to explain it. But uh, I give you a little background. Uh, in early days, you know, we we tried to create our philosophy, and we had these uh, manuals and you know hundreds of pages of our coaching philosophy and and systems and now when i look back it actually we did it to show everybody how much we think that we know and and mm. uh, you know i have learned over the years that you know that you know you simplify things and and that's when you know you know you have a best chance to really understand it and and, and use them so I'm happy to say that our coaching philosophy is now three words. That is, trust your training. What it really means is that uh, that the player has to have a certain confidence level that the work that he or she is doing is done mostly the right way, is helping her. Because we all know that in those big points, in uh, serving for the match in a third set, it all comes to the do you trust your skills? Do you trust your game? Do you trust your training? And and so it's it's a it's a really loaded question or loaded concept. And and the mentoring comes into the into the place. The the team with the coach, player, and the parents. That's super important. The the key word here is the trust. The player has to trust the training the coach uh, the coaches have to trust the player for their effort and commitment and then the parents have to trust the you know the good intentions and expertise of the coaches so as you can tell it's 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 a really loaded situation and it's very difficult to navigate through but when it works and when it's done right that's when uh, you know 
you win a lot of tough matches because you know you trust what you have done and you know that um, gives you a best chance to serve for the match when you are 6-5 in the Kalamazoo in the quarterfinals. Thanks, Vesa. So, uh, you know, question on that, like, let's say you're in that exact position in Kalamazoo, um, but let's say you haven't been able to train much. I'm kind of gearing it towards like maybe players who are just coming back after a break or something like that, and they're in a pressure situation. Uh, you know, that at that point, you can't maybe trust like the the most recent training because maybe you haven't been training much or things like that. So what do you go to in those situations? Like, I guess what advice would you give players like who maybe, you know, they haven't been training as much, you know, but they still want to be able to play well in the tough situation or is that just not really possible? Uh, hopefully that question made some sense. <laughs> um, it, it, it can be done, but um, it, it takes us to the really important part of any kind of training or any kind of skills or any kind of sport, and that is how strong are your fundamentals. And mm. so hopefully your fundamentals have been done well in the past. So, you know, if you are a little sick or you have been injured or whatever, the fundamentals don't go away. And that's what I mean about trusting your training. If you have trained to have a solid fundamentals, and you can trust that one. So even if you are, you know, trusting and confidence, not they don't always go in the in the, in a hand in hand. So if you can trust in the, all the work that you have done over the years, even if you're a little bit low in the confidence at that moment, you learn to trust your fundamentals, and that gives you a fighting chance to hopefully to prevail. So uh, I would urge every tennis player to work as much as you can to make your fundamental skills as solid as possible. And then, even if you have had some injuries or some breaks, trust your fundamentals and that gives you a chance to, to be successful. Thanks, Vesta. So this could be another uh, loaded question for you, but uh, very broad, I think. But what, what do you consider the fundamentals? Um, if you were to say, hey, player X, like you need to work on the fundamentals, like what, what would you kind of expand then to? To describe that, Lars, you you are asking some really loaded questions today. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate it. Um, I hope so. So you know there are there are there are traditional fundamentals and then non-traditional fundamentals, and I think that every team has to kind of decide what those non-traditional fundamentals are. The easy answer for the traditional fundamentals is is a solid technical skills, solid footwork patterns and you know you know how to support your stroke with your feet and your movement and then of course when it comes to playing the points you know the solid fundamentals is that you have your two or three favorite patterns that you can run under the pressure you have your routines yeah. you know that can can help you to handle the the pressure so we all know those ones and and it's a lot of work to get them right but then there are those non-traditional fundamentals what which makes it really tricky but that's you know that x factor that is that creating the mindset you know freedom to miss uh creating the mindset of uh, of you know running every ball down you know it's that commitment level to compete the right way and all those things can also be taught over the long period of time that uh, that uh, and they will make a huge difference uh understanding the value of consistent 
work, whatever it is, you know, if you are working uh, technical skills or, or food work, but understanding that it's a lot of work and it's a consistent work that counts. So those are those intangibles that, uh, that you know, can be called a non-traditional fundamentals, but they are extremely, extremely important. And that's when that perspective comes to the play a little bit, that how do you tolerate the pressure and everything. So that's why coaching and teaching is so fascinating and so, so great in a sense that, you know, you are dealing with these kind of things on daily basis and, and it challenges not only the player, but it challenges the teacher and the coach. But, uh, but you know, strong fundamentals, you know, will give you a chance to be successful, whatever level your talent can take you or whatever level you think that you are going to try to reach. Thanks, Vesa. That's super helpful. And, um, what, you know, one of those fundamentals that you mentioned was routines to deal with pressure. And you, of course, have a, a pretty big sample size with all the players you, you've had at JTCC. So are there any commonalities uh, in these routines that uh, maybe you could share uh, one or a few um, that maybe our audience could try for themselves? No, you know, we actually, you know, you can, we all see it on, on when we look at the best players in the world, you know, it's all right there in front of our eyes. Maybe I can help a little bit to explain what that, it really means. So we see the players, you know, playing with their strings. Uh, you know, they are not worried about if the strings are straight or not. They are actually doing that one because they are focusing their eyes. So, you know, this is a, it's a trick to focus your eyes. So first you focus your eyes and then you can focus your mind. I mean, you never see a top player, you know, playing with their strings and then looking around all the time. You know, <laughs> you know that would be funny. Yeah. But, you know, it's always the eyes are on the strings and, and it's, a, it's a technique to... To, to learn how to focus and first body part that you have to focus is your eyes so you can focus your mind. So that's an example of that one. Um, you know, the breathing is huge. I mean, that learning how to breathe and control your breathing, you look at the top players, they are masters of it, they do it so well. And that's one of the biggest things that I think that any level of player will right away improve their game when they learn how to breathe because it calms your mind and it calms your nerves and it, it it's it just you know feels good when you when you do it it's it sounds easy but it's difficult to do you know when when your mind is raising and 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 you are kind of under the pressure so you know breathing is absolutely you know you know in, super important uh, uh, skill no and your goal is kind of create this we have a term here at jtc we we try to achieve calm intensity under the pressure mm. and it's really really loaded thing you want you want to have this calm intensity that means that uh, you are thinking clearly hopefully not a lot of things but you are thinking clearly you trust your skills and and then you know you are relaxed enough to 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 have intensity whatever is it hitting the tennis ball or you're moving so it's just a Sometimes it helps with the kids, you know, that, hey, you try to be, have a calm intensity on the court. And, and uh, you know, it's something that uh, everybody can work on. 
So yeah, Vesa, uh, you know, speaking of calm intensity, you, you may laugh at this story, but I was actually playing a mixed doubles match at JTCC a few days ago, and actually it was against uh, Gabby, you know, from, from uh, oh, okay. your facility. Uh, so she's, you know, great player. Um, so it was mixed doubles, and uh, we were in the third set tiebreaker uh, at five all, and, you know, I, I poached and, you know, hit a volley winner, and then I... I I yelled very loud because it was kind of an intense, obviously close moment. And then after that point, uh, our team didn't win another point. So we lost 10-6 in the third set. So I, I was curious. Um, I'm wondering a selfish question. Um, is it bad to to let out too much energy, you know, like say if you hit a winner or you win a big point? Like, can that actually mess up your play by making you more nervous or too amped up or something like that? That's a, that's a really, I think that happens to all of us and it, it's really, that's a great question. Uh, to answer that one, if you overdo it, it, it can work you out internally in a sense, you get either too excited or there's a too big of the release. And then, you know, then you don't have that balance of calm intensity. But one other thing that I really want, especially young tennis players to consider, if you you know, start to pump your fist against in, in front of somebody's face, and and if somebody's a great competitor, you actually motivate them a lot. And and I would tell the young players to be aware of, don't motivate the, your opponent at the big points. So I'm a big fan of showing positive energy, but don't overdo it because it can mess up your internal balance in a sense with that calm intensity. But it can also absolutely motivate your opponent and you don't want to have a super motivated opponent when the points are big so you know you have to learn how to how to how to find the balance but i do like it when the players show good positive uh, energy but you you have to be aware because it, it can backfire Oh, thanks, Vesa. Yeah, the, uh, good insights. You know, I don't think that was the only thing that made us lose, but uh, I did feel a little bit different uh, after the yeah, big yeah, yell. You know, I'm sure the the front desk probably heard me, but um, <laughs> uh, Vesa, a couple more questions for you. I I'm curious, you know, you obviously have uh, learned so much about the game and, you know, you've uh, put your ego aside. So I'm curious about um, if you might have three books or resources that you would uh, show t a friend to help them improve their tennis game. Okay. Um, right top of my, I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that for somebody who really is a student of the game, you know, check out Bill Tilden's uh, match play and spin off the ball. It's fascinating that it was written 100 years ago. And there are a lot of fundamentals that are still totally, totally relevant nowadays. Then for the, you know, for the junior players, I, I'm a big fan of Brad Gilbert's uh, Winning Ugly. I think that it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a really practical and simple book and the power of it is in... It's so simple and common sense that we sometimes try to make things too complicated. And I think that Brad absolutely hit a home run with, uh, with that book. And, and it's, it's a great resource for any tournament player. And um, the third one is that uh, this is a little dif different, but I would uh, encourage, I hope that uh, players have get, kept the player diary. And I hope that ha mm. they have been written things down over the years. And you know what? Go back to those old diaries and check out things. It will make you 
appreciate all the work you have done. Uh, it will um, increase your trust of your in your training, and it shows that hey, you know, it can show you the right things and the wrong things that that you have done. So of the three, you know, three books that uh, I I think that will it will be interesting to to read and and and, and check out and and it will help you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Vesa. Those are great recommendations. And yeah, the player diary is, is something that I think players should, should give it uh, give it a try at least, you know, yeah. a few weeks and, and see how it goes. Um, awesome. Uh, and, you know, I also would be remiss if I didn't uh, educate uh, the players or at least <laughs> have you educate them about JTCC just in general, you know, what types of programs, because we've been talking about, you know, you and the, the most elite athletes, uh, JTCC and, and people, but I mean, obviously you have programs for all sorts of players. You know, I, I met Jordan uh, over there who teaches a lot of adult players who are going to feed into our uh, USCA league. So what, what type of programs uh, do you have and who can join them? Uh, you know, one of our big things, how we see ourselves at the moment that, uh, you know, Tennis for everybody, and 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 so I'm glad to say and announce that we have programs for every level, every type of player, and and just please uh, come and check us out, and and uh, you know, you know, take a leap of faith and and come a little bit out of your comfort zone. And by no means we are not anymore just a place for high performance. Uh, those you know, you know, we are we are absolutely place for everybody at the moment, and and. Uh, we just want to grow the game of tennis. It, it's like I said earlier, I think that it's the greatest game in the world to learn the life skills. And, and unfortunately, it's not doing great in the USA. Lately, it has been really picking up, which is a great news. But, uh, but you know, uh, we need to really grow the pace of the game and, and, and the grassroots and get as many people on the, on the tennis courts. And, and it will take, um, take everybody to you know, to try to talk about it, try to play, try to promote it. And, and so um, it's just a great game. And, 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 you know, please, everybody, go and hit against the wall or find the program that you like to, to play. And, and, and just as long as you keep on swinging and hitting the balls, I'm happy. Yeah, definitely. I love that you have that passion to to get more players in the game and to retain them. Um, yeah. Kind of a somewhat related question. Do you... Uh, is JTCC planning to make any pickleball courts? Because I, I know that's like a big thing. Pickleball is, you know, taking the courts or they're putting lines, you know. And uh, is that something that you have discussed at all over there? You know, first of <laughs> all, um, my first reaction was, oh, my gosh, I, I don't, I, I hate that stuff. It's taking tennis players to play something else. But uh, you have to right. take your hat <laughs> off. I think that the pickleball people who are running it are doing a great job promoting it. And, and, and doing yeah. it. So, uh, yeah, we are thinking about it. Uh, you know, we are going to have some events here, actually, pickleball events, and, and, and see how it goes. Mm. But, you know, my first priority is that I would, you know, I would love to have more and more people playing tennis. But uh, as long as they are moving and, 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 you know, there's some kind of racket in your hand and you hit a moving object, I'm happy. So I'm uh, I'm I'm much more tolerant than I was uh, a few years ago, and and I have to say that they they have done a great job promoting the promoting the game. So to answer your question, we will we will have some events, pickleball events happening here, and we will be seeing if we do something uh, something more than that. But um, it's on in the talks. 
Gotcha. Thanks, Vesa. Yeah, I have the same trajectory as you as far as the initial reaction and, yeah. you know, gradual. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, and also, that, uh, Vesa, I do think yeah. that's uh, <laughs> that, that been jealous how good stuff they have done with promoting the, the game. And I think that we have a lot to learn yeah. and hopefully we learn from them because, you know, it's taking off big time. Yeah, 100 100%, 100%. Um, uh, what is the best place for everybody to um, to go to to learn more about JTCC or or you or or you know what, what's the best place that they can check out? I think that nowadays everybody is checking out the website. So you know, you know, okay. just jtcc.org, You know, they you know, hopefully it's 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 uh, you know informative and and you can get some basic information and then you know just to you know. Come by and 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 come to pl see the place, and hopefully you feel the environment that it's it uh, you know the spirit of the place is something that you like, and 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 go from there. But uh, you know the website is always the best way to check it out. Very nice, Vesa. And uh, I have to ask you this just for fun. Uh, do you do you remember giving me a, a private lesson? Um, maybe like twenty years ago. No, how old am I? So, yeah, maybe twenty some years ago. You know what? Uh, <laughs> I, I vaguely remember because the first time when we talked with the last podcast, you, you made a mention that it was super hard and, and super demanding. <laughs> yeah. and, and I do have some mental picture of, you know, somebody, you know, just struggling through it and, and trying to figure it out <laughs> how to survive. So, uh, you know, I, I do yeah. have, a, I vaguely remember that. Very so, good. Very good. Yeah, yeah I just, you I, I it and hopefully you learned something. So. I did. I learned a lot, actually. I just remember you're saying feet always moving, and I think I only got yeah. one water break. Uh, but it was it was very good, very okay. good. So, okay. yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. So, Vesa, uh, thank you so much. I I just want to give you the floor. If there's anything else that you want to mention, uh, we didn't that we didn't want to talk about, or just any closing remarks that you'd like to to make. Again, I I just encourage everybody to, you know, leave the phones for the second and go and be active, go and hit some tennis balls. I mean, what is better than, you know, hitting tennis balls with your friends or some other people, you know, making connections, making human connections. I, I think that that's something that we need to do. And, and, you know, the times we are facing right now with the pandemic, I think that we all know tennis is one of the very best sports to social distancing and, 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 and so, don't be afraid to, you know, go to your closest club or the public courts and, and please keep on hitting tennis balls. You know, that's, uh, that's all I care is that, uh, you know, we get more players to play this great game. Love that, Vesa. Thank you so much for that message. And, you know, 100% on board there. Uh, as you said, you know, the, the greatest sport for life lessons. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, like if I play a match and I, uh, and I win, I feel great. Um, and there's things to learn. Even if I lose, I get more motivated about, you know, what I can improve. Um, and yeah, there's so many aspects to the game, mental, physical, uh, yeah, just everything. So, uh, get out there and play. And, uh, Vesa, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate your time. I know you're very, very busy. So uh, thanks again and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. And, and, and I appreciate what you are doing, growing the game. Thank you, Vesa. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with Coach Vesa Ponka. And Vesa, thanks a lot for your time and hope to get on the court with you and uh, work on my serve and other parts of my game soon. 
and you can get uh, any of the links that I mentioned during the show on the show notes page, uh, which is in your podcast app of choice, as well as at tennisfiles.com slash 226. So that should be up, you know, by the date of this episode or at the most it might be on Thursday. All right. And you know what? I forgot to mention my pun of the day, I guess, of the episode. Lately, I've been doing them just because I enjoy puns. Um, so here goes this one. And this is very good to hear if uh, it's before Thanksgiving. So the pun is, how do tennis players like their apple pie on Thanksgiving? Slice served. <laughs> uh, you know, you may think I'm grasping at straws, but I think for some of you, you'll really appreciate that. And I do hope that you enjoy your apple pie uh, if you eat that and whatever else you eat. So uh, enjoy the holidays and I wish you a great time with your families and your friends. And also, I would really appreciate it if you would uh, leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that uh, on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice that you use to listen to this show. And last but not least, I would like to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show. And this one is actually by Unknown. I'm sure someone said it, but I couldn't track down the author. But the quote is, a wet person does not fear the rain. Really like that. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we have all these fears, but once we actually give it a try, it's really not so bad. So um, that's a good one good one to bring up that quote. So appreciate that, whoever wrote that. <laughs> All right. Well, again, happy holidays. Have a great Thanksgiving. And I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Maribon Aranchad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.